Why don't we go ahead and turn in our Bibles to begin and read the text of Scripture that we'll be considering out of Second uh, Peter chapter 1. You may remember uh, that a little bit ago, as I had the opportunity to speak to the congregation, I uh, selected that uh, climactic event in the Lord's life known as his transfiguration. Uh, three apostles were there to witness that. And uh, that was James, John, two brothers, you'll remember that. And then the outspoken one of the group, uh, Peter, and some of us can relate to him, uh, uh, he had a lot to say. James, you'll remember, uh, was martyred in Acts chapter 12 through uh, persecution against the church. So his voice was silenced. The apostle John, who was there, said some things in his gospel, if you remember, uh, in, in uh, John 1, in the beginning was the word, was word was with God, the word was God, and then in John 1.14, and the word became flesh, and we beheld his glory, which we would imagine uh, refers in, at least in part, back to that climactic event of the Lord's transfiguration. James' voice was silenced. John had a few things to say, but the outspoken one, the Apostle Peter, he had a mouthful to say about that event. And we looked at that, uh, spent one time examining that. What we didn't examine is what we're going to look at today. And that's in 2 Peter chapter 1. And let's begin reading in verse 12. And God's word says this. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as the Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice bore to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him in the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you do well to pay attention as a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, 
Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. We're glad to be here to uh, meet with each other, but a church service is coming to meet with Christ. And that involves our conscious effort to uh, commune with him. And so before we begin looking into scripture, let's ask for his blessing so that our time in these next moments may be blessed by God so that we would be able to say it was good. for us to be in the house of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, how we thank you for your kindness to us, the mercy that we've received as we have looked to the Savior for salvation, for forgiveness of our sins and receiving the great gift of God, the gift of eternal life. Lord, we thank you that we can meet together. We thank you for the freedom that we have in our country, and we pray that that may continue. As we think of that, we think of Christian people throughout the world that are in hard places that are being persecuted for their faith. Have mercy on them. Lord, we thank you for the good work you've begun in our hearts. And we ask that that may continue even now as we open your word. Lord, give us ears to hear. We might hear that we might believe and that we might obey and do your will. Commit the time to you, praying with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, turn, go ahead and turn with me to chapter 3. We'll begin our thoughts there and talk about the purpose for the letter of Second Peter. As we've mentioned, uh, Peter was there to witness this, along with the two brothers, James and John. Peter had most to say, and uh, as... We're looking at Second Peter. It will be good for us, by way of introduction, to just get an idea of why Peter wrote Second Peter. And he states that here, chapter 3, verse 1, the text says this. This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In, in both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior through the apostles. Let's stop right there. Uh, Peter's intention is to, as we just read, he's, he's trying to stir up God's people 
from what they already know. Now, now we come here, we meet together, and, and we bring with us an awful lot of knowledge. If we've been Christians for any length of time, uh, if, if we've been Christians for years, uh, like I have been, and some of you have been, we're, we're really accountable for a lot of things that God has taught us. And Peter, who realizes, and we'll see this in a moment, realizes that his time on earth is short. The Lord had, re I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'm tempted to. Uh, the Lord had revealed to him that uh, he was going to lose his life as a martyr. And unfortunately, according to church history, he did. You may remember that story. He was crucified, but not like the Lord. Uh, according to church history, he was crucified upside down. And he knew that that was, he may not have known all the details of his execution, but he knew that his time was short. He knew uh, that his death was right around the corner, so to say. And we all know that to some degree, but Peter had special revelation uh, from the Lord Jesus about that. And uh, we're, we're to remember, and it's, it's kind of the reason that uh, I entitled the text, at least the sermon, Remembering God's Word. <laughs> We've learned a lot. And as a believer, I have to continually analyze my Christian life and before God, be asking myself the question, what am I doing with, God is, with, with the things that God has taught me? Uh, and that's our concern. It's far better for you and I, and I'll probably say this, I hope that I'll remember to say it a couple times throughout this message. It's better for you and I to take God's word, the things that he's taught us, and apply it to our life so that we can do his will, have his face <laughs> shining on us, and experience the blessing of God, rather than forgetting the things of God, uh, minimizing his will when we should be maximizing his will, minimizing our will, you know, that uh, thy will not mine be done kind of a thing. And what we have all experienced to some degree or another is this. We forget God's word and then we commit sin and then all the difficulties associated with sin, all the consequences that frustrate us uh, with our own sin, then we have to, to deal with that. If I would have just remembered God's word ahead of time, things would have been so much better in my life. You know who knew that better than anybody in Scripture? Well, I don't know if that's an accurate statement, but... Peter was right up there at the top of the list. We remember his story. If, if we've read the Gospels, 
we know about Peter's experience, and we'll be reminded uh, about it uh, today. Uh, Thomas Paine uh, is credited for the Encyclopedia of Bible Prophecy, and uh, the statement is made uh, in that book, 27% of the Bible is predictive. That's a lot of information. And uh, that particular book lists over 1,800 Bible prophecies. He goes on to say, uh, and I quote, at least one half of all biblical predictions have already been fulfilled precisely as God declared. The Bible is a unique book. We already know that. But we're here to remind ourselves that what we are able to carry, whether it's on our phone or, or whether it's a copy of the, of the scriptures, is something special. It's something unique. If it's a book, it's not like any other book. It's the scriptures. It's the, it's the voice of God put in print, and by his, his a wonderful grace, it's come down to you and me today. And thank God that we're in a church where the Bible is taught. Uh, Let me remind us of a couple texts. Just listen to this, Numbers uh, chapter 23 and verse 19, the false prophet Balaam, he had a message for the pagan king Balak, and here it is. He said this, God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should change his mind. He has said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? Two great rhetorical questions there. God is going to keep his word. And secondly, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah 46 verses 9 and 10 says this. Uh, the Lord declares through Isaiah, and I quote, This is great. These are great words. I am God, and there is no other. He's it. There's no other God up there, so to say. He's the the one. He is the only. I am God. There is no other. I am God. There is none like me declaring from the beginning and from the ancient times the things that are not yet done. In other words, he records in Scripture what he's going to do. And and according to uh, J.B. Payne, uh, half of those prophecies have already been fulfilled. But what do you think about the ones that haven't been fulfilled? (laughs) They're going to be fulfilled and God has been kind to us and merciful to us to tell us ahead of time what to expect so that we might prepare. Well, let's get uh, into our text in uh, chapter 2 Peter chapter 1 and let's look at those opening verses. Verse, we'll, we'll start in verse 12. Peter says this, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. 
Though you know them, you're established in the truth that you have. I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder. See, there's, there's, he's trying to remind us of things we already know. Uh, verse 14, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me, I will make every effort so that after my departure, in other words, after I'm dead and gone, after my departure, you may uh, be able at any time to recall these things. And so three verses, and he's, t he's talking about refreshing our memories, refreshing our memories, refreshing our memories. I want to help you refresh your memory. I want to help you so that you don't forget God's word. And so three verses, and there uh, seems to be uh, three different thoughts here. Peter, uh, first of all, in verse 12, talks about his readiness. I'm ready to remind you. I, I know it's going to sound like I'm rehashing old things. Guess what? I am. There are things that you know, but Peter knows human nature. We, we just, we're forgetful creatures. We could probably, each of us, tell stories about our own life, uh, about how forgetful we get, especially with age. And so Peter's ready. Uh, and let's, let's hold our place here and turn to Luke 22, because Peter had had an experience that we're going to remind ourselves of. We'll look at it in detail. We know Peter's life. I, I would guess that Peter had a, had a hard time emotionally, spiritually, physically, because of his failure and what, what he was guilty of in the Christian life. And to put it in my own words, someone came up to him and said, you're a Christian, aren't you? And he said, no, not me. I'm not a Christian. <laughs> and he did that three times. Remember that. Peter's denial. But let's, uh, let's look here in chapter Luke 22. Let's start in verse 31. And uh, this is Jesus' Last Supper counseling session <laughs> uh, with, with Peter in front of uh, the other apostles. Peter should have listened. He should have remembered what the Lord was saying to him. He, he went to the service, he heard the Bible, and then he walked out and he forgot what he heard. Well, then he had to deal with the consequences. Let's look at it. Verse 31, Jesus says to Peter, Simon, Simon, and he and he he intentionally the Lord intentionally uses Peter's old pre-conversion pre-Christian uh, name. You remember Simon Peter, and, and Peter was that you know that 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 new name that the Lord had given him. But realizing what's going to happen, Jesus says Simon, Simon which the antennas should have went up in, in Peter's mind, or maybe they did a little bit. But, but look at this, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. 
Oh, well, that's, that's part of human experience we don't think about very much, that uh, Satan is a real being, according to the Bible, that Satan is the enemy of our souls, according to Scripture. And Satan, as you know, uh, from First Peter, is like a roaring lion going from this corner to that corner to this place to that place. And what's he seeking for? He's seeking who, whose life he can destroy. This is tragic. This is uh, reality in the Christian life. This is the warfare of the Christian life. And we've, this is not new information, is it? We've heard about this. He goes on, Satan has desired to have you and sift you like, sift you like wheat. That's like, I, I don't know much about wheat sifting, but the idea is to get the grain out of the stalk. And, you, you, you know, they have their process. To, I don't know if, it, if it's a ball bat, you know, jumping up and down on it. I don't know. They, they got to get the wheat out of the stalk. And so it's a violent activity to do that. And, and, and here's the Lord saying to Peter, Satan wants to do that to your life. He wants to have violent aggression against you, pounding on you. He wants to sift you like wheat, beat you to a pulp. And sometimes when we forget God's word instead of remembering God's word, and then we have to live with the consequences and suffer the consequences, that's what it feels like. Verse 32, uh, Jesus says, I've prayed for you that your faith would not fail. This is going to be, you're going to suffer the consequences because of your sin. But guess what? Satan's temptations are very powerful. And the Lord says, and so is my intercessory prayer. Very powerful. Which, by the way, little footnote, let me mention that our great high priest is praying this for his people. And that's, <laughs> that's great encouragement. Verse 32, I've prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And when you, you have turned again, in other words, you, you're convicted of your sin, you confess your sin, you get the train back on the tracks, the train of your life, and uh, when you have turned again, strengthen your brethren. And here the Lord Jesus is telling Peter, this is my will for you when you get your life straightened out. After all the disaster and consequences of sin you're going to experience, <laughs> once you get through all that and you repent and, and turn back around, then I want you to go to, to uh, your brethren, your Christian friends, your co-laborers in representing God on earth. And I want you, Peter, the outspoken one, to strengthen those people. Do what you can to encourage people. Do what you can to strengthen people. Strengthen your brethren. Verse 33, Peter said to, said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Wow, that's impressive. 
and that is impressive. And then, okay, that's, these words weren't spoken, but Peter, we're going to put that blame to the test. He didn't do so well. Verse 34, Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you know me. It's a sad story. But let's don't end there. Let's go over to verse 60. Here, Peter is being challenged and put on the spot as Jesus has been arrested and Peter's, you know, following at a distance, but but at least following the Lord to his trials. Verse 60, but Peter said, now this is the one that had said, yeah, you're, you're one of those believers, aren't you, a Christian? Man, here's, here's the response, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. Now watch this, verse 61, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. <clears throat> now think about, <laughs> think about that. Think about that scene where you're the one that's claimed, oh, Lord, I'll follow you to death. I'm going to be a faithful believer. Okay, let's put it to the test. And then he denies the Lord three times that he even knows him. And then he looks as Jesus is... um, maybe being led away to the next segment of his passion, and their eyes meet. Here's Peter, the believer, now realizing after he's failed, after he's sinned, he heard God's word, he forgot God's word, and now he, he looks and there's, he, there's Jesus, and their eyes meet. You know what that is? That's, that is intense conviction. <laughs> when the person that you've sinned against, and you look them in the eye, and after you had sinned like that. <clears throat> and he looked at Peter, and look what the next sentence says. Peter remembered saying, the saying of the Lord, how he said to him before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. Now, look at verse 62. He just becomes an emotional basket case. What's he going to do now? These are the consequences. There is nothing for him to do but just to stand there and weep, just to go somewhere privately and weep. This is a very emotional text. And this is the result of having been given God's word, forgetting God's word, and then having to deal with the consequences of your own disobedience. You know, we, we come to the text, we, we want to be uh, 
sympathetic, empathetic to Peter. And because we can, because we can relate. Well, uh, back in Second uh, Peter, let's go back there. It's time is wasting away here. Second Peter chapter one, and let's go to verses uh, thirteen and fourteen. Second uh, Peter one thirteen. I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir. Uh, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I... Now watch this in verse 14. Here's that uh, prophecy about his execution. Verse 14. Since I know that the putting off of my body uh, will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. So that, that is really... the. <laughs> That information should have been at the forefront of his thinking. A, 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 a believer that walks with the Lord and then gets older and older and older, and they keep walking with the Lord and they get older and older and older. You, you know, one of the things that comes to mind that for many becomes a daily thought, uh, my time's running out. And when my time runs out, there is no more new word from God. In God's plan for each of our lives, the, the word of God that he's given to us, that, we've, that other people have taught us, things that we've learned ourselves, those things that we're accountable for. Yeah, there's a lot more for us to learn. You, you, you get to a point in your life and you think, you know, I, I should have been more diligent years ago. I'd be better off uh, farther along in my Christian life than I am now, but here I am. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> I got to do with my life what God has revealed to me from his word. I've got to remember God's word now before it's too late. Too many times we've had to deal with remembering God's word after our sin, after our failures. And then we, we, we spend time in counseling sessions, or maybe not, but picking up the pieces from our life. We, and we become our own worst enemy sometimes. Peter knows all about this, and he's... <clears throat> He's talking about his readiness to uh, refresh people's memories. He's talking about an urgency in verses 3 and 4. And look at this in verse 15. He talks about uh, his thoroughness. He, Peter says in verse 15, I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. But wait a minute. After Peter's departure? Yeah, after he's dead and gone, he still wants to have some degree of influence in his brethren's life. Well, how, how would that happen? You know what he did? He wrote First Peter. And then he wrote Second Peter, which we're looking at this morning. And then according to church history, uh, a few of the early church fathers indicated that Peter became a strong influence 
in the life of a younger believer known as John Mark. And Mark, as you'll remember, wrote the gospel, but Peter, apparently, according to church history, had great influence in that. And all of that may be part of the thoughts in verse 15. So there's our first point. But as we move on to 16 to 18, let let me read uh, chapter 1, verse 16. Uh, The text says this, We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for when he received honor and glory from God the Father, Uh, And the voice of God borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves uh, heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we'll stop there. You know, one of the important things, and we hear this from unbelievers and critics of the Christian faith, is that, yeah, the Bible, that's just a bunch of fables. You ever heard that before? Hopefully you never thought that before, at least in your earlier days. Uh, Maybe you did, but uh, it's interesting that God addresses that issue and puts it in Scripture so that when it comes up, oh, by the way, did you know that uh, God already knows your criticism? Would you like to read this about uh, fables and you know, just made up, the Bible's just a bunch of made up stories, fairy tales and, and fables, and it's just mythology. Well, I'm, I'm glad we're able to talk about it because uh, God has addressed it in his word. And uh, he says it's not fables. We have a reliable eyewitness testimony from uh, Peter and John, who both wrote extensively scripture, and then James uh, was martyred. When uh, Brenda and I first moved to Wayne County, uh, uh, there was a letter addressed to me, looked kind of official. Ooh, look at this. I wonder what this is. From the Wayne County. Go open it up. And you're requested to perform your civic duty, which is uh, you're part of a jury. You get to be part of a jury. Great. Welcome to Wayne County. This is just exactly what I wanted to do. So you, you do your civic duty. You didn't crowd it into a little room with all the other people that have been called. And, and then they start saying, no, you can go. You can go. It's, why did you call me in the first place? You're letting people go. So you're sitting there thinking, maybe they'll call me. <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> and so you, you uh, long story short, you get to sit through the trial, which I did. And you know what, what's important in the trial? What kind of evidence they want? They want eyewitness testimony. Because it's powerful. It's meaningful. You know what Peter talks about? 
He's got eyewitness testimony. We were there. I was there. James was there. John was there. And we were, we were eyewitnesses of the great event of the Lord's transfiguration. These are not fables. And you'll remember that uh, <clears throat> there were two men there with him, two Bible characters, great heroes of the faith. Moses, he was there, uh, and Elijah. Uh, it's interesting that in Scripture, to verify any kind of event, uh, the Old Testament law said that uh, you can't just listen to an accusation from one person to establish truth. You need two witnesses. And uh, it would be helpful if there were three witnesses. I mean, and that's the biblical standard for establishing any event uh, for accuracy and truthfulness. And so we have two witnesses here at the Transfiguration, uh, Moses and Elijah. Brought back from the dead. This is kind of interesting. And, you know, a pre-resurrection reappearance. Uh, very alive, very accurate. And there's Moses representing the law and a, a picture of believers that enter into glory through death, which is the way most believers do enter into glory, through death. <clears throat> But there's uh, another person there, Elijah, and you'll remember him. He represents the prophets and uh, actually uh, representing people that enter glory uh, without death. Well, that's strange. What, what does that mean? <laughs> Entering into heaven without dying. Uh, yeah, there were a couple, three instances. I'll just mention them quick. Elijah. Uh, he's the gentleman that's uh, here in the uh, transfiguration, Elijah. Remember how he got to heaven? It wasn't a taxi. It was a chariot of fire that came to his house and picked him. Would you like to enter in? Because, uh, yeah, the next destination is heaven. And Elijah was taken to glory without dying. And by the way, that he's not the only one. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 talks about Enoch. Uh, same experience there. And then 1 Thessalonians 4.17, and you'll be encouraged by this, that the church in the end times, those that are alive when the Lord comes back, uh, away they go. And so this is... this. Uh, uh, eyewitness event of the transfiguration is, uh, it's not fiction, made up stories, fantasy, it's history. And there's some significance there. Well, in verse 16, Peter uh, talked about what he saw, the end of verse 16. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. In verse 17 and 18, he talks about what they heard. Verse 17 uh, when he uh, received honor and glory, Jesus received honor and glory from God the Father, the voice uh, born to him out by the majestic glory, that's the uh, Shekinah, the glory cloud in that event, 
Here's what they heard. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And he says, we heard this voice born from heaven. We, we were there. We were eyewitnesses. This is what we saw. This is what we heard. That's our testimony. And yeah, that, that, that's, that's pretty good. Uh, but then as we uh, continue on in verse 19, not only uh, were there uh, real reliable eyewitness testimony. This is what the court wants. Were you there? What did you see? What did you hear? But there's also reliable written documents. Do you know that, and you may know this, but uh, the old Greek manuscripts, the Bible, the New Testament was written in Greek, and uh, now scholars have at least, and this is public knowledge, it's documented knowledge, 5,000 full manuscripts or portions of manuscripts of the New Testament. And that's, that's pretty impressive. And what's going to happen now in verses 19 to 21 is a comparison between the audible word of God that was heard at the transfiguration and the written word of God. Let's compare the two. The voice of God, word of God spoken, and the word of God written. That's what's happening now in these next three verses. Let's read verse 19. We have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, which you do well to pay attention. Boy, if I, if I had a nickel for every time growing up, uh, I heard those words, pay attention, <laughs> pay attention. <laughs> uh, yeah, now, now they've, they've got a label for that, what? Uh, attention deficit disorder, <laughs> take a pill, you know. Back then, it's just straighten up, pay attention. And here we have it. Will you do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all. Knowing this first of all, that means put this at the top of the list. Put this at the top of the list. Here it is. First of all, no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. The point there, I'll get to it in a moment, but the point there, it didn't originate with man. This Bible that we have, it's called God's Word, not man's Word. Wait, didn't men write it? Yes, they did. We'll talk about that too. Ultimately, the source was God. That's verse 20. Verse uh, 21, no prophecy uh, was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's the process of how God got his word to you and me so that we can hold it in our lap, so that we can go home in the privacy of our home and we can open the Bible and we can pray, God, Speak to me. <clears throat> Somebody said, if you want to hear God's voice out loud, 
open the Bible and read it out loud. (laughs) And so uh, here, verse 19, we're talking about remembering God's word, paying attention to the scriptures. Uh, I, to make verse 20, let's, is that where I want to be? Let me just give me a second here. Yeah, verse 19. Prophetic word more fully confirmed. Verse 19. <clears throat> to make the point clearer, I did a little research on, I, I wonder what other English versions of the Bible, wonder how they translate this from the, again, from the Greek text. And I, and I found some interesting comparisons. Let me just share these with you. Lung, Young's literal translation says this, and I quote, We have a more firm prophetic word. The Luxem English Bible says this, we possess as more reliable the prophetic word. The Weymouth New Testament. Uh, In the written word of prophecy, we have something more permanent. New International Version. We also have the prophetic message as completely reliable. King James Version, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. And what Peter is doing is making a comparison with the audible voice of God that the apostles heard at the transfiguration event. He's, He's comparing that audible word with the written word. He's doing a comparison here. And the point that he's going to make is... When you think about the Bible that you have in your hands, you can take this to the bank. This is God's perfect and holy word. And uh, this, is, this is the point that Peter's making. As I'm ringing out of time here. Uh, Let me, let me share this with you. Who wrote the Bible? Forty human authors. This is public knowledge. You can read this in, uh, in most places. Forty human authors were involved in writing the Bible over a period of 1,500 years, living on three different continents, and writing in three different languages. But there is a unique and supernatural a unity in the message of God in Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. It's, it's supernatural. It's something that God has given to us. The origin was divine. They were, verse 21 says they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You had men of God selected to write Scripture. The Spirit of God is empowering them to write down Scripture, exactly what God wanted written down according to the limited vocabulary and writing style of of each author. It's just an absolutely amazing process, and you'll have to read more about that uh, in your uh, study books and and online. Let's look at these uh, last three references real quickly. Let's just, uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 18. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 18 says this, the scripture says, all right, this is the word of God. 
Here's the first quote. You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads in the grain. That's scripture. Do you know where that comes from? Book of Deuteronomy. Your study Bible is, is going to reveal that to you. You know, it has those little letters. You just kind of follow over the column. You, you can, and it's, it's fun to do if you enjoy studying the Bible. That, that's the first scripture from Deuteronomy. But look at the second scripture and, and I quote, the laborer deserves his wages, end quote. Well, where, where does that come from? This is scripture, but where does that come from? Well, that comes out of the book of Luke. And that's a quote from the Lord Jesus. And so what the Apostle Paul is telling Timothy in 1 Timothy 5.18 is Deuteronomy, Old Testament, that was scripture. That was the voice of God, the written word of God. But so was Jesus uh, as Luke recorded it. That's scripture too. So now in the, in the process of the Bible uh, being put together. Now we have uh, Luke's words uh, and Jesus' words, part of Scripture. Let's go to 2 Timothy 3.14. 2 Timothy 3.14. I wanted to start in verse 14 for a reason. You'll see it here in a minute. Uh, verse 14, but as for you... Now, once again, this is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. Second Timothy, do you know what that is? That's the Apostle Paul's last will and testament because Paul was going to be martyred. He was going to be executed by the Roman government. And he was not going to be crucified. Uh, he was going to be beheaded because he was a Christian. And so before that happens, he writes 2 Timothy. And, and here's what he says in verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. Wait, that sounds familiar. We've been talking about that all morning. Knowing from whom you've learned it. Now watch this. This is why I wanted to look at these verses. And how from a child, Timothy... You've been acquainted uh, with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise to salvation. From a childhood, you know who had influence on his life as a child? His mother, Eunice, his grandmother, Lois. So to the mothers and to the grandmothers, don't ever give up during the challenge of raising little ones. Don't give up. Uh, and you'll remember that uh, Timothy's father was a Greek and an unbeliever, and mom was done it all on her own with grandma's help. And what was the result? <laughs> Timothy uh, goes to the forefront of the class write scripture, uh, mission work. It's just, it's a great story. Uh, and uh, then in, in verse 16, which is very important, all scripture is breathed out by God. Uh, I grew up on the King James Bible, and that verse said, all scripture is inspired by God. 
it doesn't mean that uh, it was something internal that uh, uh, somehow uh, uh, Paul was inspired internally. That's not the point. Uh, inspiration has to do with uh, an exodus, something going out. It's like when you and I go to the doctor and he takes the stethoscope and then he, you know, he's putting it here, there. <laughs> And, and you know what he says? Here's what he says. Breathe in and hold it. <coughs> now breathe out. <sighs> and then breathe in and breathe out. Inspiration is not breathing in. Inspiration is exhaling. It's, it's breathing out. And the, the ESV makes it very plain there. All scripture is breathed out. By God, but for the sake of my KJV friends, I thought I would share that. Uh, that's inspiration. And it's profitable for four things. You'll see it there. The first thing is what to believe. It's profitable for teaching. It's profitable for what to believe. It's profitable for reproof. That's what not to believe. It's profitable for correction. That's how to get right. And then it's profitable for training in righteousness, and that's how to stay right. The Bible is valuable. The last reference, 2 Peter chapter 3, and we'll end with this. Chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. Verse 15, uh, Peter says, Count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul, he wrote according to the wisdom given to him as he does in all of his letters, he speaks in them of these matters. And there are some of them that are hard to understand. You know, I'm glad that's in the Bible <laughs> because there's, there's a lot that, uh, you know, this plow boy has a little hard time understanding. And uh, I'm glad to know I'm not the only one. It's uh, hard to understand, but... But look at this, ignorant and unstable people, they twist it to their own destruction as they do the rest of the scriptures. And uh, here is uh, Peter saying, Paul's 13 letters in scripture have divine authority. Well, in verse 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, and that's a promise to return as some men count slowness, but he's patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. <clears throat> we have to ask ourselves a question. Uh, is, is God waiting for me? He's not willing that any should perish, but that everybody that hears his word would come to repentance, come to faith in Christ, and so you know what God is doing today? He did it yesterday, and he'll do it tomorrow. If he doesn't return, he's waiting, waiting, waiting. He's waiting for people to come to him. There is a time when I came to him. There was a time that many of you came to him. And, but we have to ask the question, is God waiting for me? <laughs> and, and I'll leave it at that. That's between you and him. And then uh, for all of us, in verse 18, is a great way for Peter to end his second uh, letter here. 
uh, chapter 3, verse 18, but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is God's will for you and me as a believer. Grow and don't be happy where you're at. If you can still read, your mind's good, and you have a Bible, then get at it. <laughs> and you'll be glad that you did. Let's leave this with God and pray for his work in our hearts. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Second uh, Peter, the things that you shared about Peter's life. For Lord, we pray your continued work in our lives. Commit that to you in his name.